Well, hey everybody, welcome to Real Estate Matters. For over nine years, the voice of real estate in Flagler, and Flagler County in Palm Coast, Florida. I'm Toby Tobin. I'm a Florida licensed commercial realtor with Grand Living Realty. This show is sponsored by the Hammond Community Church, American Village, a 55-plus community, Klein Construction, and the Flagler County Home Builders Association. This show is really a continuation of last week's show. We have, of course, Walker Douglas is with me as usual, his co-host, but we have uh, still with us from last week, Jason DiLorenzo, Chief of Staff, City of Palm Coast, and Ray Tyner, Deputy Chief Development Officer, City of Palm Coast. And we're we're just talking about uh, what basically what they do uh, and trying to make it more understandable for our listeners and uh, city council members if they happen to be listening in. Uh, there's uh, real estate is very complicated, and Florida real estate is is perhaps uniquely complicated more than other states. There, Real estate laws are very state-specific. So when you go from one state to another, you're going to find things that aren't like they were where you grew up. And if you come to Florida, you might as well be a foreign national because it is truly different. Uh, and and most ways, it's different in a, in a good way. But I thought uh, today we'd talk about you've got a hierarchy of um, – regulations kind of at the top level. Uh, there's the comprehensive plan, and we can talk about that a little bit because the comprehensive plan city for the city of Palm Coast is currently under review and will be revised, the revision being completed next year sometime. And that's kind of like a, a guiding document for the city. And I last week I, I quoted from it uh, that Affordable housing is something that the uh, current comprehensive plan envisions, but we haven't done a real good job of providing affordable housing. In fact, at the current level of about $62,000 median household income in Palm Coast, uh, nobody at the median household income can find a place, a, a home to buy. I mean, there were only, I think, in the first seven months of this year, Fewer than twenty homes under two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and at, at uh, uh, today's interest rate of around seven and a half to eight percent, the median household income supports a purchase of a home only less than two hundred thousand dollars. That's an incredible statistic. So that basically what we're saying is the bottom half, income-wise, of residents in Palm Coast are pretty much locked out of the current housing market. So how does, how does a, let's say I'm building a, proposing a community of uh, 100 or more units, and I've got to have the zoning change. I don't care whether Jason or Ray feels this, but uh, what are the steps I've got to go through? It's currently uh, agriculture. It's, Hundred acres agriculture and there are trees on it now. Well, the first thing you do is look at the future land use map. So it's probably future land use of agricultural. That's called the flume. The flume. The flume. Yeah, we call yeah. it the flume. Yeah. 
So, you know, that's tied to our comprehensive plan. So you're most likely going to have to change that first. And that's a kind of legislative action where our city council requires also an application um, with certain criteria Mm -hmm. as well. So you would need to do that first if it's zoned agriculture. And then you would have to have a rezoning. We can do those, you know, typically concurrently. And you would either, um, what were you going to do, multifamily? Uh. Hundred single family, single family homes, but uh, let's make it multifamily because that makes the discussion more pertinent <laughs> to <laughs> today's news. So we have uh, then then you would zone that to um, your application would would uh, rezone that to what we call multifamily zoning. Okay, now <clears throat> I've I've been to dozens and dozens of the planning board meetings and city council meetings, and. Uh, let's say I'm doing townhomes. One of the questions that is guaranteed to come up, and uh, it'll be asked certainly by someone from the public commenting, but often asked by people on the planning board or the city council, uh, are these going to be fee simple or or are you going to rent them? So, you know, our multifamily allows apartments, it allows townhouses, what we call, you know, townhouses that fee simple, right? Fee mm-hmm. simple ownership. It yeah, allows we're, condos. We're so on the land underneath. Right. So from a 35,000 foot level of the zoning per our code, there, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. difference. Yeah. So you just look at but, the product. Right. right. But typically, yeah. you know, a lot of times, not, not all the time, but the applicant will know that and they will let city council know or you know they may even show a plan you know Mm -hmm. um that could change because we're just talking about the zoning now but But they will typically know the answer if it's going to be the city code is is silent on rental i mean there's that's right you have to you have to get a uh you have to pay the business tax if you if you're renting part of your property but there's there's the city exerts no control we have a rental registration program. That's more to make sure we have a contact for when a property needs to be cleaned up. Mm-hmm. But you're right, and it's. I think what you're getting to is that it's not part of the decision making process. Right, and 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 it shouldn't be the way your documents are set up now. I mean, you can change the documents, uh, so you do have exercise more control. But what uh, I think many people don't appreciate is that that uh, let's say that a a uh, city council member asks that question, and then the the request to rezone is denied. Then that could be used as an argument in an appeal, because I mean it's it's a it's a you're showing a bias against rental typically. Well, you know, I will tell you, in our attorneys just throughout, you know, because I've been on the planning board for for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, years ago, you know, just recollecting in my mind that you know a member may want to deny something because mm-hmm. you know it's a rental i'm just kind of making this mm-hmm. up right and then our attorneys would remind them hey you've got some mm-hmm. criteria here mm-hmm. you know you need to follow what that criteria that's mm-hmm. not part of the criteria to, to deny it mm-hmm. so now even even state law i think five six years ago i want to say has even <clears throat> changed that mm-hmm. if you are going to deny an application right you have to give the specific reason why hmm. you're denying mm-hmm. that. Application. That's interesting. A lot of yeah. people aren't aware of that, and yeah. a lot of 
elected people obviously aren't aware of that too, because a lot of times you hear their reasoning and, you know, it's something that wouldn't fit within that criteria and they'll vote no on it. Right. And a specific well, reason has to relate back to either the comprehensive plan or the land development code. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. This, the, in my opinion, it doesn't meet this. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the other things I, I noticed often too is that through your various stages, you know, you, Ray, you said from the 30,000 foot level, and each each process that you go each step you go through on the process you get down to twenty thousand ten thousand yeah. feet, and then you get down to meeting the the architectural requirements and the colors and what's the reflective value of the the primary the the main paint on the the vertical right, walls right. and then the trim around the windows, the front door. That's now you're down at the six inch level. We actually go but, underground because yeah. we have to, well, put, right? We have to know, review the pipes that are growing in the that's ground. That's one of the first <laughs> things you do is look at the infrastructure. But exactly. But, but, uh, you know, traffic is, is not, is, is looked at before I can get a permit. I've got to meet all the requirements. Yeah. I, I tell you, you bring a good point in that, you know, when we're doing the flume level in the rezoning, mm-hmm. A lot of the citizens, you know, you're at that 35, 40,000 foot level, but they're anticipating you're doing a site plan. Mm-hmm. There, there is no site plan. You know, what's the traffic? What's the environmental impacts? What's, what's the storm order? It's going to flood my house. You know, all those details really come at a later stage. You're kind of at that, is this use appropriate in this area? Do you meet the criteria for this to be, you know, single family residential? Then the next step, that's that's when you get into the details and, and making sure you're complying with that land development code, all those health safety reasons. That's at a later later stage. A lot of times, though, I don't know if this is just personally on projects that we've gone through permitting with, but by the time you do hit that flume amendment or rezoning, we will know that there's capacity in the stormwater system, you know, in the sewer system, and there's capacity for water. So almost always before you even get to that point, you know, because you guys and your staff aren't going to say, let's do this, you know, a couple hundred units multifamily. And then, you know, then we get all the way down the road, spend a ton of money. So it behooves developers to spend the money up front to make sure that the, all that stuff is Paul there. Walker, that, those big checks at that future land use map. Yeah. You know, that's when, you know, our, our senior planner does that analysis and that theoretical yield, making sure those high level services are, are there. And, and traffic and all that goes yeah. on at that stage. From a bigger level. Right. Yeah. Right. And. You know, there's uh, there seems to be a greater um, fight against growth in general. It's it's almost like at a surprising level, um, and some of even public officials you know, that are are just against growth. And I think there's a huge misunderstanding of the uh, degree to which growth keeps a city healthy um first of all i people don't realize the extent to which a new development right now if i if i come in uh, not not building on an infill lot an itt planted lot but i'm buying 30 acres going to put my development in out there uh when that development goes in i'm going to put in the roads i'm going to put in all the infrastructure and then the city is not going to allow me to turn it over for them to maintain that like they used to in the old days. So I'm going to have to create an entity like a homeowners association and or a CDD to pay for the up, upkeep of all of that infrastructure. 
I'm going to have to create a stormwater management system that will not allow additional runoff to come into your stormwater management system. However, when that community is sold out and people are living there, they're going to they'll get, they'll get a utility bill just like everybody else that has a stormwater management fee in it. So, uh, you know, I think in the last city council meeting, I, there were there was a lot of misunderstanding about the extent to which growth subsidizes existing residents because that stormwater management system that 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 fee is that fee is paying for cleaning out the swales and maintaining the ditches and everything the development has curbs and gutters and stormwater retention ponds so they're they're actually subsidizing the other thing uh, I think people fail to understand is the extent to which there's a huge difference between homesteaded and non-homesteaded in the uh, assessed value. Obviously, if you've been here a long time, your assessed value is really low because of the Save Our Homes portion of the Homestead Act. New developments are all new. They may not be a new arrival. They may have ported some of their portability over to the other uh, the other new home. But by and large, new New arrivals here are going to pay a lot higher property tax than people who live here. Yeah. So, and you know, um, governments generally model their financing of infrastructure in that way as well, right? You don't want to collect up the dollars from your existing residents and then to build new new infrastructure because then you put it all on the backs of the people who are here now. What you do is you go get low interest loans or bonds to build that infrastructure so the future people have to participate in the repayment of that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why uh, developers are resorting to CDDs more now than they used to because that allows them to uh, to buy that money up, uh, to get that money up front and uh, tax-free municipal bonds too. But there was a comment at the last city council meeting, somebody really was uh, one of the council members was downplaying impact fees. And I thought I'd never live to see the day that somebody would downplay impact <laughs> fees because they're huge. Uh, in, in Palm Coast now, with uh, permitting fees, impact fees, connection, water and sewer connection fees, I mean, it's roughly $21,000 for a single-family home. Well, uh, the annual <coughs> property tax on that single-family home in Palm Coast is, is probably around – six to eight hundred dollars so they're actually putting up about 25 years worth of property <laughs> tax that's not that's not uh, i think that was referred to as that shi- a shiny penny uh-huh. you know and, and boy it's 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 a shiny hundred dollar bill we do have to give a lot of that away to the school district and to no, uh, I, the county I, as well I, I know, but, but that, but that's, <laughs> you, get it. Uh, you know the, the school system is in a sense it's an intellectual infrastructure right but uh, it's it's uh, it's just interesting to watch how people interpret this complex arena that we're in, and, and uh, certainly appreciate you know what, what you all do. What what would you change about the system? I'm not sure. We we work on our processes all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we try to get better. We try to learn from 
um, you know, our applicants, mm-hmm. uh, if we hear of a process that's working better, we're, we're always on that. You know, we have uh, performance measures that our staff needs <coughs> to, um, needs to, uh, try to meet and they're pretty strict. And I think for the most part, we're doing a, a good job with that. The, um, I don't know, Ray, do you have something? No, I mean, you know, we, we, uh, get feedback all the time from different applicants, you know, how we can mm-hmm. make things better. Um, and moving forward. And, and, you know, you mentioned earlier, we're, we're, uh, we're going out. I, we got to do a plug for the comprehensive plan, yep. you know, before we mm-hmm. end. And we're, we're, we're off to the races trying to get a lot of community feedback on, you know, what's working with the city, what's not working. It's not only our, you know, it's everybody. It's, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the entire public of Palm Coast that we want to hear feedback. And then we're going to take that information and then back and update our comprehensive plan and look at our, goals, objectives, and policies. I mean, Toby, you mentioned affordable housing. You, you mentioned it today um, and, and read through the comprehensive plan, reevaluating that, uh, looking at what we can do better, you know, overall mm-hmm. as a city. So. You know, one of the common comments at public comment is, you know, I, I want I want it to stay the way it was when I moved here. And, and my reply is that, yeah, I felt the same way before you moved here. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, people don't realize that uh, a lot of the comprehensive plan, uh, some of the some of the fairly significant things like requirement for a two car garage, did not exist until Palm Coast as a city made that a requirement. It, I mean, there are single car garages all over the C section, the F section, and dimensions, and, and dimensions too. And that's yeah. another that's another area that uh, uh, I think should be changed. And and you've got an opportunity here with a comprehensive plan to do that. I think that uh, it's go- you're going to be facing a lot. There's a potential for a lot of uh, – we have infill lots. You're not going to change anything much. You're not going to change much about what you can do with an infill lot because they're pretty much one-offs now. They're not you, – you can't buy up 20 of them side by side and rezone or do something. But – the city is going to get bigger, and uh, you've got an opportunity to uh, take almost a clean slate and have a, a an overlay district. And ITT Levitt did some really good things, but they did some things that weren't so good. And they didn't know it at the time, but we know it now. Yeah, that's right. If we have to take a break, we'll Hold be right thought. back. Stay with us, folks. Flagler County went straight to the front row when it came to the need and commitment. Free for All Friday, where local newsmakers talk it out. I mean, we don't swing from chandeliers or anything like that. That half-cent sales tax that we have collected over time has been used in great regards towards our school district. Hi, I'm David Ayers. Join me and Brian McMillan every Friday morning following the news at 9 on WNCF and worldwide on the Flagler Radio mobile app. Everybody, welcome back to the second half, or the last third, actually, of the Real Estate Matters. we got about six more minutes or seven minutes left on the show. Uh, we have uh, Jason and Ray here from the city and Walker Douglas, and we're talking about the comprehensive plan and how to, um, 
how do we go through changing a piece of dirt to a, a, an addition, a finished addition to our community? And one of the things that I've noticed that in the old days, you used to be able to build uh, a development, and if you built the streets to city standards and then you could convey the streets and sewers and everything over to the city, and they maintained it. Well, cities aren't doing that anymore. So basically, other than the existing infill lots and ITT, all new development of Legler County and pretty much all of Florida is going to be done under a master plan development because they're going to have to create common areas and actually create institutions that will be responsible for maintaining those common areas. So understand that if all master, all future de- new development will be master plan development, and master plan developments are by definition zoning. So every new master plan development is a zoning change. So uh, we, we, we need to take the, the uh, negative aspect of zoning change and understand that it's just the way it is. Yeah, and uh, you know when ITT when ITT left, um, there were still large tracts of lands that were uh, to be completed, and um, you know then they come in as a they were a county PUD uh, plan unit development. They come in, in into the city, and we eventually we changed them to master plan development, and those are in our code. A master plan development zone is in our zoning mm-hmm. is in our code, right? Mm-hmm. And there's criteria for that. Mm-hmm. Right, but they tend to be larger pieces of land, mm-hmm. and larger pieces of land that take a really long time to develop have changes, like we discussed earlier. Right, they're 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 changing with the market, and every time you know, there's a significant change to that, you know, you have to, you know the applicant has to go back in front of city council and get that master plan development rezoning completed. Now, it makes it sound like. We have a lot of change in the city, but these could, these are just incremental. Sometimes, you know, I think we had one earlier this year where um, you know we uh, reduced it, it was an, an MPD, and they reduced the number of residential units by sixteen hundred, and they removed all all of the commercial and office units because that is not what we need now compared to 2005 or whenever that original plan was made. Yeah, that was Coquina Shores. Coquina right. Shores, mm-hmm. right. And then and then also we've had some where we've added industrial uses, right? Mm-hmm. And reduced office because there's less office needed in this day and age with you know how we've progressed uh, in society with computers and working from home and all those other things. Um, brick offices are, are brick and mortar offices are are fewer, right? So, th- these opportunities to make these incremental changes with the market are smart, but I think it gives um, the public the perception that we're constantly changing and we're not following the overall plan. So, so on the map, okay, an MPD is blue. All right, mm-hmm. all, we our zoning has all color maps, right? So after the change, it still remains blue. So in essence, it's really not a rezoning. It's a modification to the development agreement, but we go through that strenuous rezoning process, right. you know, go above and beyond. And like Mr. Uh, you know, like Jason said, that, you know, I- even if we wanted to add, you know, allow an industrial as part of this commercial piece, 
we have to go through that whole process. Even though it's one small change, like in Palm Coast Park, all that development on US-1, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have to go through that all that process. And I think it appears like we're rezoning a whole new piece of property, but in essence, yeah, we're just you're, changing you're, you're the cha- development You're agreement. changing the original, you know, you're, you're going against the wishes of the founding fathers. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it could be one one little sentence would change. We have to go through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, the comprehensive plan is is being uh, uh, amended, and it's being examined. Uh, you, and, this, and I know that you're bending over backwards to promote citizen input, uh, Jason. How would a citizen? What, what are their options now? Yeah, this is a priority of city council, and uh, we've put together a very aggressive plan, and we want as much out, um, public input as possible. So um, we went out, hired a, a consultant that's helping us with that outreach. They provided us several tools for that, and Ray is leading this effort for the city, and he's going to give you the, the details. Yeah, I mean, you know, our citizens go on our website, and down below there, there's uh – you know, you click on it and we have an active website, you know, to give your feedback. What are we doing good? What are we not doing so good? What would you like to see? There's some surveys on there and it's going to be dynamic. It's going to be going on for a long time, probably almost a year and it's going to change. So we really want to hear everybody's feedback. We're going to be, you'll see us at a lot of the events, you know, city events, um, handing out QR codes. You know, we have a really cool, it's called social pinpoint and active, uh, app application that, that it's very active um we're going to hit the civic groups i think we're going to be you know a grand haven for example on, on december 18th to do our kind of road show so any civic groups out there call us um you know we're going to be aggressive in calling them and reaching out to so we want everybody one hundred and two thousand people to participate and we, we're we're having some big scale you know uh, meetings at the community center where folks can come in we had one of those already and we have some other ones planned along along the year as we progress through the different parts mm-hmm. great great any uh, any other comments we're kind of running out of time it's ima- imagine 2050 is the is the uh, name of our effort to update the comprehensive plan it will take a full year there'll be a bunch of hearings at the end with the planning board and the city council to adopt it and we're hoping uh, by the end we have a really great document. But as we've discussed, comprehensive plans are living documents. They are intended to change. They are intended to be updated with what the people want as you move forward. Well, I'll, I'll put my two cents in, but 2050 is a little beyond my plan. <laughs> Who knows by then? <laughs> uh, you might be a brain in a vat. Yeah, you'll, you'll still be here. <laughs> Lord willing. Okay, well, uh, Ray and Jason, thanks for being here Two weeks in a row. Wow. Uh, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. And this is a lot of meat in these uh, two-week shows. And I'm really glad to have you. And uh, we'll have you back again not too distant future. Thanks, Toby. Thanks. I'm Toby Tobin, and I approve this show.